1: to another wonderful episode of the weekly warrior podcast where today I'm joined by my best friend and wonderful co-host Bones. Your mustache is looking beautiful today. Your brain is full of knowledge today and my my brain is ready for you to dump it in. Dump Man, I got to tell you what. I'm on the edge of my seat. We've been talking about this for weeks. We've been talking about this story for weeks. And Bones is about to take us on a little trip through some sort of land that is from history, and we're going to go on that ride. So are you, ready to, are you ready to take us on that ride, buddy?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. And I'll say that one mustache is never as good as two mustaches, and you have the second. So I will say you're always full of compliments when we start these things, and I just really appreciate that. We've come a long way since we were, since we were enemies, and I just I really appreciate <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, at one point you were just a, a back, another another skinny, scrawny guy in the back line. Well, uh, and all right. You became my bestest friend because you passed me the ball a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm excited.
0: All right. Well, let's get into this shit. January 3rd, 1741. <laughs> Benedict Arnold. Oh, you son of a! Was born to Benedict and Hannah Arnold. Ever
1: heard of him, dude? Real quick, I literally was, I was gonna do an episode on Benedict Arnold. No joke. I like, I was like, man, this is gonna be hot take, and it's gonna be awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy and also angry right now.
0: Little Benedict, uh, so yeah, he was born to Benedict and Hannah Arnold. So Little Benedict was in a line of Benedict Arnold's dating back to his great-great-grandfather who sailed to America in the mid-1600s and became a successful businessman, governor, and landowner, Mm -hmm. and the richest man in the colony that is present-day Rhode Island. Uh, So we're going to call great-great-grandpa Arnold Governor Arnold. Governor Arnold abandoned the English tradition of giving his wealth and estates to his first-born son, and instead partitioned them among all of his children. This continued for several generations until there, until there was nothing left to be passed down as the wealth was dissipated and his sons and grandsons were left to fend for themselves in a young new world. So little Benedict's father, uh, who was also a Benedict. Was one of six sons and did not receive anything passed down to him. His father became an apprentice cooper and settled in Norwich, Connecticut, which was a growingly rich town for the time. He found work with a man named Abelson King, a ship captain and merchant. During one voyage, Abelson died at sea, leaving his lovely wife Hannah, a widow. <laughs> So Anna belonged to a rich family, uh, the, the Lathrups, that were very well known in the area. So Daddy Benedict courted her and they were married in 1733.
1: Imagine like naming naming all of your children Benedict. Life becomes a lot simpler when you have you have a boy. Oh, he'll be Benedict the 4th. Oh, he'll be Benedict yeah. the 5th. Becomes Easy. real simple. <laughs> My name. My
2: name.
0: Wait. Hannah, darling. My name, and all of the girls will be Hannah. <laughs> no joke. They had a daughter named Hannah too. So exactly, there you it's go. It's like that was a thing. It was always their firstborn son that was named Benedict for like, ever. Um, so yeah, she belonged to a rich family. They were well known. Uh, got married 1733. Yes. Jessica is interrupting. Say hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. Look, you need your book. You giggling at she, us? She can't hear me. No, she can't. He says hi. Hi. She says hi. All right.
2: <laughs>
0: Bye. Thank you. Love you. Good night.
1: Stop staring at her All ass. All the way. <laughs> Don't tell what to
0: do. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, anyways, Daddy benedicts he got married to the... He married rich. He married into a rich family. Uh, he took over Abelsom's property and business. Uh, so, this he was sailing now to europe and the caribbean buying and selling goods and hauling cargo with uh and hauling cargo so with profits he bought a large house for his family he took part in extensive community work serving as a collector a constable a militia captain and he became known as captain arnold so we have governor and we have captain arnold um, that was great great grandpa and his dad. So some, uh, there were about seven years, this is his dad still, some seven years into marriage, little Benedict was born. Benedict was one of six children, two of which died in childhood. And there was actually a Benedict Arnold born before him, before our main character here, uh, and another son, Ablesome Arnold, and they didn't make it past childhood, so really not a good time for Abelsums. Throughout his young years, little Benedict enjoyed the surrounding forest, exploring wildlife and interacting with Mohegan natives. He lived in the finest home in town, stacked with servants and slaves. When he grew older, he went on voyages with his father to the Caribbean. But both of his parents wanted him to get an education instead of taking over the family business. So they sent him away to a religious school near Norwich, and he was taught religious virtues and values. His mother told the schoolmaster, do not spare the rod and spoil the child, when uh, <laughs> speaking on how she wanted young Benedict to be strictly brought up. So she's a religious kind of... uh, She's a bit nutty. Uh, She's very religious. As Uh, most people were back then. Most people were, yeah. A lot of Puritans. I mean, they were crazy, crazy, crazy people. Uh, So when he was 11, he got sent away to an all-boys school taught by Reverend James Cogswell. He was taught Latin, the Bible, logic, math, rhetoric, history. Um, Most students that went to this school... Uh, eventually went to yale and that was the plan for benedict arnold Um, unfortunately he would never attend higher education
2: Mm. Mm -hmm -hmm.
1: interesting he was set up to go to higher education Mm -hmm. but didn't make it
0: didn't make it we're gonna get into that Mm. benedict was the only son among a family of daughters He was constantly trying to display his bravery and often picked fights with stronger, larger boys in order to protect younger or weaker classmates. He would receive letters from his mother that urged him to stop this behavior and focus on school. While he was at school, diphtheria ripped through his hometown of Norwich. So diphtheria is uh, kind of the same, it is the same disease that went through, uh, remember Togo? Mm-hmm. It went through Nome, Alaska, and just, it kills a bunch of kids. Like it, it, it just targets kids and it, they all die, basically. It's really they deadly.
1: Have, they don't have the same immune uh, systems as adults.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that's it.
1: I'm like, I, I don't know anything about I'm. I figured it was like kids have weaker immune systems than adults, so it targets them yeah. more.
0: Yeah, that's part of it. So diphtheria is basically just like a really bad sore throat. And you get a lot of inflammation, hmm. and then it cuts off your breathing, and then you die. Oh, so like your throat literally yeah, like swells. It's horrible. And then you, oh, yeah, wow. and it gets so like calloused and and like scarred that he, holy yeah, shit. Plus your immunity, That's crazy. It's pretty brutal. Um, so kids, kids do not do well with it.
2: Uh, where did I get off here?
0: He, uh Nome, Alaska. Yeah, he would. Togo. He, yeah. Well, we're not in Nome, Alaska. That was just an example. If you, the Togo episode, diphtheria. Is ripping through Norwich. So most victims were children. One of these letters from his mother also included that his sisters Mary, Hannah, and Elizabeth were deathly ill, and that both parents were also sick. Mm. His mother was super religious and urged Benedict to pray and repent, and to prepare himself to get sick and die. His mother, his mom's a bit crazy. It seemed like, um, and it's crazy that these letters they they survived. Like, that's how we know this. Like, these letters to him as a child survived all these years. Um, So anyways, after battling the illness for several weeks, Mary and youngest sister Elizabeth both died within the same month. Of the six Arnold children, only Hannah and Benedict made it to adulthood.
1: Wow. That's wild.
0: Isn't it? You said there were
1: six children, but on top of the six, were, were there the other ones that also died... You said that there was a Benedict before him, yeah, right. I and mean, then there was another son as well, yeah, Abelson.
0: So was that yeah. eight or is that six? So that's total. Uh, that's baby Benedict that died, Abelson yep. that died, and then Benedict, yep. our Benedict, and then Hannah, yeah. and then Elizabeth yep. and Mary. So that's six.
1: Oh, okay. So okay, gotcha.
0: Damn, that's yeah. Wild. So, so he was. He, it was him, surviving. Mary Elizabeth, and Hannah. Yeah. Which is pretty common for the time. A lot of kids don't make it out. Right. At the same time, Captain Arnold's business was in severe decline. Everything depended on his skill, energy, and time. Since he was sick, he had little of any of these. Following the death of his daughters, he began drinking heavily, which gradually became more and more debilitating. His drinking seemed to have caused the decline in business because overall sea trade had never been more prosperous for the colonies. So business is booming for everybody else. Captain Arnold um is depressed. I think he clearly had mental health issues. Uh so business, business was not was booming for him. Not booming for him, man. He's mm. Well, let's get into it. He he really fell off the wagon. At the time Uh, drunkenness was a finable offense of 10 shillings and five more shillings if drinking after 9 p.m.
1: Man, fine me, not five
0: shillings, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, If he couldn't pay, he would have to sit in the stocks for one to three hours. Officials also ordered taverns to post the names of, quote, tavern haunters on the doors of every tavern in town as a means of public shaming. If your name was on the list and you came in, you were fined 20 shillings unless you could find two people to come look after your good behavior. Wow.
1: <laughs> Again, find times, me 20 right. shillings. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Just leave it at the door. <laughs> that's, a, that's admission. I mean, like, man, like, we've all had those times, right? Like You go to the bar, you have a little bit of fun, maybe a little bit past 9 yeah. p.m. <laughs> a little past 9 p.m. Your name would be, you'd be a tavern haunter for sure. Yeah, I'd have to have two friends come
0: vouch for my good behavior. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's a drunk, and he's losing his, he's losing his mind, losing his business. He's, he's drunk um, all the time. And, and the trouble continues for him because Hannah's family actually owned a tavern and would give credit to him. Uh, this went on until his name appeared on the tavern haunter list. <laughs> uh, taverns were also built next to a church as a means to sway the immoralities. Uh, Captain Arnold continued to drink heavily, grew more depressed, and left his wife to manage the business and keep the family together. So within a year, Benedict's still off at school. Uh, Within a year, he had to come home because they couldn't afford his schooling. The dream of sending their child to Yale was over. The hope of allowing for education to place him among the colonial elites was gone. Leaving school was humiliating for Benedict especially when he returned home. The Arnold family was well-known, so it was no secret what was happening for them. Upon returning home, Benedict was greeted with an empty house and a silent home, a drunken father, a stressed-out mother, and one sister, Hannah. He's been gone this whole time. Sister's dead, dad's drunk, mom's going crazy now. Uh, And he just kind of got dropped into the thick of it. It felt... Best for him to stay out of his mother's way, and he, instead he wandered the town in neighboring meadows and forest. Uh, so he was taught by the natives how to fish, hunt, ride a horse, and how to, how to canoe. Like I said, this is going to be very detailed, and it's important that we go into these details because it kind of shapes this guy. Uh, I think we all, this, this name is synonymous with
2: I think that,
1: yeah, I was, I was going to say, you, when you, you talk about Benedict Arnold, the, the immediate thought for. Pretty much everybody in America is betrayal, and yeah. the more you look into him and who he was, that's it's it's way more complicated than that. Yes, he did. I mean, he did turncoat. He was that was bad, but it's arguable. Um, we wouldn't have won the war without him. So again, it's like turncoat. Also, he was a hero for the American side, which I'm sure we're going to get into
0: bro. It gets fucking crazy. Like y- y-
1: it's going to get crazy. And I didn't, I haven't, I didn't know any about anything about any of this stuff with his family, like losing four siblings. Uh, he you know, he was supposed mm-hmm. to be the, you know, next prodigy of his family and they couldn't pay for it. Cause it's like, Oh, everyone's dead. And your dad's drunk yeah. and this and that. Um, so yeah, why you get home, you get dropped into that shit. Guess what? I'm going to hang out in the woods too, <laughs> especially yeah. in the
0: 1700s. Like, Bye. nobody's watching Bye. Netflix then. Like, I'm I'm out. <laughs> yeah, man, it was a pretty horrible time for it. it seemed like, but yeah, you get okay. So getting into these details, uh, Norwich, his town was a small uh, town, so everybody knew what was going on. Hannah, the family's rich. Public shaming was very real. It was a way for the people to keep others in line. Everybody's super what we would think of today as like crazy conservative. Uh, People felt bad for Hannah and they were upset at Captain Arnold because she she has the family roots in the area. And he was the guy that came along and took over a dead man's Mm -hmm. business and is now drunk and depressed. Like he took this guy's Mm -hmm. successful business and just fucking ran it into the ground. Basically, Uh, the judges and magistrates were constantly on the captain's case. Um, one example he was fined six shillings for saying damn me in a public house another fine was given for exclaiming go to the devil also in public Uh, the whole town was religious nutty Uh, people were often reporting others for talking or laughing during church service Uh, they'd be fined shillings Uh, On Sundays, everyone was supposed to be resting and only practicing religion, and there was an instance where five young people were seen walking down the street together, and they were all publicly shamed. Uh, So this is basically what the captain and the Arnolds were up against when it came to kind of shielding their reputation due to his alcoholism. You know, reputation is really important. Uh, When Arnold turned 14, the business finally collapsed. Hannah did her best to keep it alive, but being a woman at the time, she had little legal right to property or business ownership, and the captain was too drunk to do his job, so he could no longer pay his debts. Uh, If you couldn't pay your debts, that's against the law. You were thrown into prison until they could pay. So debtors came knocking and began taking everything from the Arnold household. Furniture, jewelry, clothing, tools, guns, name it. Uh, This was very public. So Hannah's birth family, the Lathrups, kind of came to the rescue for them and paid to keep uh, Captain Arnold out of jail. They also took over the house mortgage and Daniel and Joshua Lathrop agreed to accept young Benedict as their apprentice of pharmaceuticals. They made a fuck ton of money. They were so they were uh you know getting drugs from Europe and basically selling them off to the colonists. Um, and they were the only ones in the area to do this. They were the only one doing medicine in the area, so Uh, He moved in with uh, Daniel, which I guess would be his uncle, and his wife, who lived in a waterfront mansion with flowing gardens. He began his professional training. This was a good, good situation for Benedict because they treated him like a son. Um, For a few years, he learned medicine, uh, trade, and helped balance his work with managing his family in despair due to his father's drinking. When Benedict turned 16, military conflict broke out as the French threatened to seize New York from the English. So this was a pivotal moment in Benedict's life, as he was old enough to enlist, and did, for a brief military experience. This experience would shape his decisions for the rest of his life. So war between France and England was, has been going on in the colonies for as long as they've been... Well, okay, so, they, I mean, war between France and England has been going on fucking forever, like, was as gonna long say, as they've been at countries this point,
1: war between french people and english people have been going on for, for like 800 years <laughs> yeah they're never not
0: off. just they're never not bitching at each
1: other i guess um, once once fights. england became like a country england and france began to fight
0: <laughs> yeah isn't it weird to think about where it used what it used to be like like the world was kind of smaller in that way where wars were just like neighbors it was just a neighborly wars well
1: they had the hundred years war i mean between england and france Mm. the hundred years war uh, i mean it and that but that continued they continued to fight i mean up until even into after after this like napoleon Mm -hmm. and all that like they kept fighting and that was a big reason why the french people the french government allied with america because we were fighting the british and they were like hey yeah absolutely we're going to send ships, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, mm-hmm. and help you guys out, because fuck the British people. <laughs> fuck them. That's why. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, and that was that was a way for them to sort of, it was like us supporting Afghanistan against the Russians. It was the U.S. supporting Afghanistan against the Russians. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, hey, what do you know? A new war between the French and the English. What do
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... Uh, when it came to the New World, America, uh, French forces kind of teamed up with the natives. So they had a lot of allies there. And they would swoop down the Atlantic coast and they would burn homes, they would plunder, they would terrorize farmland uh, and its inhabitants. Because a lot of people at this time, it was America. Um, and were colonies, but they were totally controlled by the British, was it? Yeah. obviously. So there was like, yep. they were attacking British. Um, and people supported the British, too. It's not like everyone in America was like, fuck them. Um, so new englanders were in a constant fear of an invasion from canada usually colonists were left to defend themselves but towns usually had small militias of men uh, aged 16 to 60 and members were required to keep arms and ammunition in case of an attack so for the first time the english sent a professional army to new york to defend its colonies from the french this was known as the french and indian war Both the French and English recruited native tribes to be a part of their war. The French famously recruited warriors who were difficult to control and notorious for their brutality. A Colonel George Washington was a young man on the western frontier Mm. that played a prominent role in the war beginnings for the British. So the breaking point in the war was... Uh, when the French and their native allies surrounded a key English fort in New York and ordered their surrender. So by surrendering, the French would have a gateway to New York to overtake the land. New York was like, we got to have it. It's the best. Got to get it. The English quickly sent word for reinforcements and were answered. So these small militias formed. So Benedict is 16. They get this word. Hey, this fort's being taken over. The French are coming. All these little towns start getting their militias together um, and they send them to, uh, the fort was Fort William Henry. That's where they send them. Among them was the Norwich Company with young Benedict tagging along. He was excited little boy. He's ready to go. Uh, But by the time the reinforcements arrived, the fort was already lost. Uh, This is where it shapes a lot of his life. So Lieutenant Monroe was in charge of the fort and upon having no chance to defeat the 11,000 French soldiers and native allies, he agreed to surrender. He agreed the fort would stand down and take no part in fighting for 18 months. In return, Hmm. the French promised an escort to provide safe passage to Fort Edward for the entire English garrison soldiers, their families, and followers. The French also pledged to care for any sick, wounded, or those too injured to travel. They also demanded any French prisoners be returned. These agreements gave nothing to the native allies that signed up to get supplies, plunder, you name it. Ammunition. They got nothing. Their land back. (laughs) Their, fuck, dude, yeah. Uh, Some land would be great that you took. The, the
1: land that they currently uh, or did occupy and no longer occupied.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to fight in our war?
1: In land that we stole from you?
0: <laughs> yeah, we want this land. You, can I just have my land back? <laughs> yeah, that's
1: off the table. No, no it's no, not going to happen. Yeah. No, it's gonna...
0: Run along. So yeah, the natives were promised war plunder, trophies, food supplies, captives to ransom. That was a big one. Instead, they were ordered to protect the English to not take anything and leave all possessions at the fort, because those were the terms of surrender. Can you guess that that's not going to go over well? So as the fort emptied (laughs) the following night, the natives attacked. They charged the fort, searching for plunder, but found little, so they attacked the 70 sick or wounded men left behind. Next, they rushed the camp where the rest of the garrison was being held, awaiting their escort. Throughout the night, they plundered the defenseless, uh, surrendered soldiers. In the early morning, hundreds of natives, armed with tomahawks, bows, and arrows, swarmed the group and demanded supplies, arms, equipment, and clothing. They took property, uh, black people, women, and any children they could find. As the group began to move out with their escorts, those in the back were defenseless, and within minutes, the natives seized, killed, and scalped who they could, and stripped others of their clothing, money, and possessions. The French tried to stop the massacre and managed to snatch some captives from the natives. Many others were later ransomed for more supplies. So that's kind of why they were taking people, children, just to be like, "Hey, I have this kid. Give me thirty shillings or whatever."
1: it, It sounds like utter chaos. Like, yeah,
0: they're on both sides. Like,
1: the natives are taking people. The French are taking them back. There's, I mean, there's, I mean, it had to have been lots of small skirmishes here and there, but it's just chaos. Like there's just stuff happening everywhere.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the idea I got too when I was reading through it. It was like, it's it's organized attack, but it's also like scattered. Uh, they're trying to scatter up, yeah. capture what yeah. they can, and take what they can, and just fuck them up, basically. Right. I mean, they're pissed. Yeah. They were promised stuff and they didn't get them. Uh, Not saying to justify what they did, but so. (laughs) Can't blame them. So here we go. Uh, Many others were later ransomed. The people they captured for supplies, money, or canoes and brandy. The French did not support their actions, but it was too late. For the British militia and colonists that had come to protect the fort, this was a disgrace to wartime and truce. The French honor was beyond restoration. As the details of the French and natives' actions trickled to Benedict, he felt tremendous rage. The news spread across the colonies and anti-French and anti-Catholic hatred spread like wildfire. Because people, I mean, think about how news spreads today and like how things get, stories get twisted and warped. Imagine back then, I mean, people probably, there could have been stories of the French encouraged this or, you know, duped the British into coming out and then kill them all.
1: Well, and every time the story, it goes, from one, it goes from one thing to the next, it amplifies. So it's yeah. like French people, you know, they, uh, I don't know, took 10 prisoners, and then it was French people uh, scalped 10 prisoners, and then it was French people beheaded 10, you know what I mean? So it just kept changing.
0: So the news spread like wildfire across the colonies. Um, no British officers allowed any French officer to surrender with the full honors of war after this event. For Benedict, it was an atrocity that would never be forgotten or forgiven. So he served a total of 18 days in this militia. Uh, He and along with his company were sent home without a chance for revenge or action. His duties at home, however, kind of seemed unimportant. He was pretty uninterested because of this occurrence. He, He just basically got so upset and rageful that the French specifically allowed this to happen and supported it, in a way, just to kill innocent people. Anybody would be upset about that. Benedict would continue his work in becoming a skilled pharmacist and businessman while his mother, Hannah, was struggling to keep the family afloat. She fell incredibly ill during one hot summer, and she passed away at age 51. Historians believe she died of a heartbreak. Benedict was gutted at the loss of his mother. He was 18 and became the head of his family. He took care of her funeral and became responsible for his father and little sister. Captain Arnold fell further into despair. Soon enough, Benedict was promoted to chief clerk, and his apprenticeship title was now sailing to the West Indies and London to purchase goods. He fell in love with the sea. His father kept drinking, and the law came after him yet again, this time from public drunkenness and witnesses testifying... He was disabled in the use of his understanding and reason. Soon later, the church came after him and ordered him before the congregation in order to repent his sin. He refused to do so. He was threatened with excommunication. Church members voted in favor of public shaming and imposed circumstances that would not allow him to use any services or goods in the town. He would still not stop the drink. Before the year was up, Benedict would be planning another funeral. The two children were relieved, but also sad, as they recognized the sacrifice and journey that their father went on, starting with nothing and growing, uh, at one time, a, a successful business, at least helping. He's kind of taking off in life. He's got this apprenticeship now that he's making a bit of money. Yeah. So he, he's, you know, doing fairly well in the business end of things. Um, so he ended up graduating that apprenticeship, and he was given a loan to start his own business, he started, decided to start this new business in New Haven, which was a busy port town. He, he did what he knew how to do. He sold medical supplies and cosmetics, watches, earrings, maps, prints, herbs, and stationery. And basically, this was kind of a revolutionary shop. No one... It's like Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's
1: a revolutionary Walgreens. Welcome
0: to Walgreens. I'm Benedict. Welcome to Benedict's. <laughs> I'm Benedict. Isle Four. That makes it sound way less cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he sold a bunch of stuff, man, just stuff. Whatever you had to do to make a living, that's all that matters. Yeah, and you know he's a wicked smart guy. Uh, he went through a lot of training with a lot of smart people. So, anyways, yeah, he's wicked smart. Wicked smart brains for days. It was only he also sold his old family home at profit. Used the money to buy a new home in New Haven and moved his sister to live with him. Benedict was kind of Benedict was kind of weird about his sister. Um, he was very protective, and anytime a man tried to court her, he would scare them away and threaten them, basically saying no one was good enough to marry her. She was apparently very attractive, but she would never marry, in large part due to Benedict's interventions. I gotta imagine there's.
1: I I was like, it has to be, your whole family's dead. Yeah except for your one really hot sister (laughs) and I'm sure there was a little bit of like hey, I'm gonna keep this for myself, not because he's like you know, uh, know, having intercourse or whatever, but just because it's my only family left and I don't want someone else to take Uh, her from me, so if she was ugly, would it change something? Well, she wouldn't be as uh, wouldn't be a, she wouldn't have been as desirable Yeah. Yeah, because if if she leaves, because she's uh, she's young, she's attractive, you know, men are gonna want to court her, and uh, you know they married young back then. Then she's gone, and then guess what? Guess what family he has left? He's got nobody. I mean, I could see. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying I could see yeah. where he's coming from with scaring away suitors.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. That's a good point. Let's talk about one of those suitors, huh? Well, let's do it. At one point, a Frenchman tried to woo said Hannah. And this pissed off Benedict because he hates the French. Before he yeah, saw so- <laughs> before he sold Careful now. Before he sold his family home, he made a trip to visit Hannah after hearing about the French guy. He waited outside the home until the man walked out of the door. Benedict fired a warning shot at the man. And he ran away just as fast, and he was not seen at the Arnold residence ever again. That's pretty much a fuck around and find out moment. Benedict made a few business partners, one of which landed him the purchase of a merchant vessel named Fortune. So he began sailing just as his father had to the Caribbean, to Europe, to buy goods to resell at his shop, basically doing what his dad did, uh, but more better. So by age 25, Benedict and his partner owned five ships. Pretty bitching. Uh, this means a ton of profit. Hannah would, would, would help mine the shop while he was at sea. So Hannah would stay back and basically run the Walgreens um, and he would go drive the truck. <laughs> the Benedicts. <laughs> you know, the old Benedicts. I wonder if Eggs Benedict is named after
2: Benedict. It is. I, I it don't is. I think you know that for sure. No, it seriously is. Is it really? Yeah, Eggs
0: Benedict is named after Benedict Arnold. Why? Do You, not, you don't believe me, do you? I mean, I'm, you're going to research it right now. I feel like you're pretty confident in this, and you know it. So I do believe you. Let's see. I just mostly want a why.
1: Okay, I was wrong. <laughs> Damn
0: it. All right, so though one might
1: guess that the dish was named for Benedict Arnold, it was not. It was also not named after Pope Benedict Thirteenth the leader of the catholic church <laughs> what the f- <laughs> why was it named benedict arnold then um, eggs benedict there there's a a lot of different stories so like people have gone different ways with it but there's
0: nothing like one mm. way or you the know other what i'm going to decla- let's let's um, declare it on the weekly war podcast eggs benedict is named after benedict arnold governor benedict
1: arnold yeah i'll go with eggs benedict that's a good thing
0: yeah um, so, so basically he's got five ships, uh, Hannah would do the shop. His business is growing, um, but so did British taxes. Now the British did end up winning the French and Indian war. So they controlled the colonies at this point. Uh, Benedict saw that British tax enforcement as a huge problem for his business and something that could sink profits. Uh-huh. That being said, whenever he wasn't sailing, he was deep into the Connecticut Social scene. Did you just do a screenshot? No. No? You like flashed.
2: Nope. Okay. I'm just taking notes over here. Yeah, you're, you look good. You look real good. Thanks. <laughs> uh,
0: so Benedict was deep in the Connecticut social scene. He was a favorite of the ladies and rolled with the elites of the town. He was elected to the Masonic Lodge, which was a place for men to go and circle jerk with their elitism. Uh, but at the same time, it was a prestigious place to be in do you like that
1: I'm just imagining the guys with the you know powdered wigs and yeah. whatever sitting around you know In oh uh, god
0: yeah how many horses did you buy last week yeah yeah you buy like 10 of them yeah, yeah. I got a new carriage <laughs> it has ivory in it fuck
1: Oh, that's so hard to get these days. You've seen that before? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It comes from faraway lands. All right. Yeah, from far away you can't get it down there Strut at Walgreens. Go to Benedict's, you can get it, though.
0: Yeah, he can get you anything. So, oh, <laughs> oh we lost you. Oh, there you go. Okay, so at the time, it was a prestigious place. Everybody wants to be in it. You needed two recommendations from current members, and the vetting process was extensive. He was approved to join unanimously and took an oath to, quote, live honorably, practice justice, love his neighbor, work unceasingly for the happiness of humanity, and help human beings to emancipate themselves from the thralldom of passion and ignorance. Wow. A lot of big words.
1: That's a, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Don't be a shitbag.
0: So other notable Freemasons were George Washington, Ben Franklin, James Monroe, John Hancock, Paul Revere, and at least eight other signers of the Declaration of Independence. Benedict also met the, his first love, Margaret, at a, with a, who was a daughter of a fellow Mason. Um, Margaret is irrelevant. Fuck Margaret, she doesn't come up again. So, at the time of their courtship uh this was a different girl so he's kind of courting margaret and he's like i never mind i like this other girl so he's courting this other lady uh at the same time british law of taxation became increasingly aggressive the british saw the colonies as a financial burden and were upset at their role in the defense against the french they say the colonists were beneficiaries, and therefore should pay for the war effort, which cost over 1.3 billion pounds in today's money, which is a lot of cheese. Uh, Because basically, the Americans didn't have an army. They didn't have a militia. They had little towns of militias. They didn't fight the French and Indian War for the most part. It was the British. Uh, So they're like, hey, here's taxes. Here's one of them. It's the sugar tax. And this struck the colonies hard due to the rum demand. This posed a serious threat to Benedict's business. So smuggling began in order to keep costs down and keep money in the pockets of the merchants. People were still pissed because taxes were going to support the British army, but the war was over. And at the time, the English Bill of Rights stated that keeping an army in peacetime threatened liberty. So they're like, why the fuck are we supporting an army in peacetime if it's not against us, right? It's like hmm. you're building an army to, to like rule us, basically is what they're saying. Um, we're paying for it. Right, man. It's like uh,
1: the more things change, the more they stay the same. People complain about high taxes and this and that all the time these days. It's like that's what yeah. governments have to do to function.
0: Who are you, some sort of communist?
1: <laughs> no <laughs> taxation without representation. That's all I mean. But now you have representation, so we can we get taxed. Yeah, I have a congressional representative, so I get taxed. <laughs>
0: That's true. So, yeah, the, that sugar tax, the Stamp Act was passed, further pissing off the colonists. It taxed paper used for documents, newspapers, playing cards. Uh, mobs formed under the name Sons of Liberty. Mm. They terrorized tax collectors, tax collectors and British governors, and the colonies began facing random attacks by these mobs. Some of them were deadly. So Benedict had a close friend. Uh, his last name was Ingersoll. I don't know his first name. I can't, I can't remember. Uh, He was a stamp collector. So he was attacked and forced to resign and report back to his leadership that he would not be collecting anymore and urge them to revoke the Stamp Act. So the Sons of Liberty beat a guy up. It was Benedict's friend. Uh, Benedict was not a son of Liberty. He was not someone who was loyal to the British influence in America either. He remained friends with Ingersoll, even though he was represented what threatened his business. So. Just kind of demonstrating that he was, he put, you know, friendship to a good person and, you know, over his business. And it paid off for him later. So in 1766, Benedict was deep into smuggling goods into the colony. He's smuggling all sorts of shit. One angry sailor aboard knew of molasses that had not been reported to the British and ordered Benedict to pay for his silence. The penalty for smuggling was confiscation of all the cargo and ship. Benedict did not pay the man, and the man followed through, telling customs of his smuggled cargo. Uh, it didn't do anything. Luckily, the customs master was not present at the time, so I guess everyone else was just like, "Yeah, well, I guess whatever. But when Benedict learned of this, he threatened and scared the man out of town. But two days later, the boy, the guy, returns to the local tavern where he was drinking away his money. Arnold got together a group of men and marched to the tavern to meet the man. The crowd now making a scene at the tavern for dozens to see, ordered the man to release a statement saying that he was, quote, instigated by the devil and trying mm. to rat Arnold out to custom. So basically, like, claim insanity, and you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Arnold is fine. So, yeah, it, he, it, I mean, it was bullshit, but Arnold's trying to cover his own ass. Right. Because he's trying not to be figured out to get smuggled. Right. Right. Uh, He promised to never inform any New Haven merchant again and was immediately told to get out of New Haven forever. So the man left. Four hours later, he was again seen drinking at the tavern. This time, Benedict gathered a larger group of men and brought him out to the public lashing pole and gave him 40 lashings. Benedict and his men were issued a warrant for disturbing the peace, uh, but Benedict fucked off to sea. When he heard what was happening, his old friend Ingersoll defended him. Uh, and he was basically only fined 50 shillings when he could have been tossed away forever. So that pissed Benedict off because the man went against his word twice uh, and against a sworn statement. The dude made a statement that he was possessed by the devil and <laughs> like Benedict <laughs> didn't have anything smuggling. That's basically what it was. Uh, so he's pissed that he went back on his word. Um, he He took to the... The newspapers, because this was like a public trial that happened about mm-hmm. this with yeah. uh, the public lashings. And then he went to trial and was defended. So the town is like, hey, what the fuck, Benedict? Why are you treating people like crap? Right. But Benedict wasn't there to defend himself. So he took to the newspapers to tell his side of the story. These newspapers were colonial papers meant to reach colonists that were loyal to local businesses such as Arnold's. So he expressed his dismay toward the man who tried to turn him over to Customs House and increase price on goods due to British taxes. He used the man as a siren and a warning against all informers and supporters of the British that the merchants and colonists will not take kindly to messing with their smuggling ring. This was Arnold's entry into the political world that would eventually lead to war with the British. So he blew up a newspaper article saying, if you fuck with our smuggling ring... We come in after you. Benedict became a hero and a very popular figure in the shipping industry. During all this, like I said, Benny, Ben, <laughs> Benny, I'm going to call him Benny. Uh, no, Benny. Benny married his love, Peggy. Mm-hmm. Peggy was 22. Benedict was 26. Um, he loved this lady, like head over heels, obsessed, like face like a mermaid bosom's like a melons
1: so yeah this is literally why Margaret or whatever her name was literally was nothing Margaret was nothing
0: yeah Margaret nothing Peggy was the one I don't know why I put it in there I think I meant (laughs) I put it in there and I meant to take it out Margaret was (laughs) some sort of hussy when he was in the Masonic (laughs) Temple side piece Masonic side piece and she was a this is when he was a teenager and he just had you know cum balls <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, where do I put this energy, Margaret? <laughs> and now he's done with Margaret. And now he's just loves He Peggy. actually like, loves Peggy. Loves Peggy. Yeah. Okay. Actually loves Peggy. Yeah. It's it's legit. So uh he's 26, she's 22, uh solid marrying age. Uh yeah. so uh she seemed a bit distant. He was obsessed, and she was like She is a little bit off put for some reason, Uh, but she married. They married each other. She would rarely reply to his letters that he sent away um, while he was doing business. Uh, He complained of 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 being gone for weeks that he had not heard from her once. And he'd sent seven letters. Uh, He felt like it was just her shyness. But and it was just like, "Eh, well, she'll open up eventually. It didn't really ever happen. Uh while he was away at sea, she gave birth to their first child. Can you guess what his name was? Benedict. Yeah, that's Benedict. Yeah. Yep, yep. Baby Benedict. So Uh yeah, just gotta continue the fucking whatever. It took her over two months to write a single letter to Benedict, assuring him that he and Baby Benedict were doing well. He would mostly hear news of his family from other captains that were sailing through the Caribbean at the time, so he's just like, Hey, have you heard from my family? And they're like, yeah, they're, they're at Walgreens. Yeah, uh, they're. they're doing good. And he's like, cool. Thanks for that. Until next time. Well, yeah. yeah. One, one of the times that he talked to a captain, he got a piece of news that a rumor was spreading in New Haven that Benedict contracted venereal disease. Uh, he was obviously pissed because he claims to be in good health, and at the time, uh, something that, like this might kill you. So basically he's like being claimed he's an adulterist and he has venereal disease. Um, He tracked down the source of the rumor uh, upon a return trip and found it to be a former employee. So he sued the man and won, testifying that he only ever, quote, drank wine, ate food, and enjoyed spiritual liquor as freely as any person. Mm. He denounced prostitutes in his family's honor. Uh, He once fought a duel over a man who claimed to spread rumors that Benedict was trying to steal a whore from him. So I don't know, but it's just Benedict just, was a proud yeah. dude and he always had people coming after him. People yeah. were always coming after him because he was good at what he did. He was he's he was popular in the shipping business. He's successful, he's got money, he's got a hot chick, he's got a kid named Benedict. People came after him and he would he was dueling quite a few people. Another one was Captain Krosky because he invited Benedict to a party. So Benedict was invited to a party by this captain, and Benedict didn't show up because he forgot. Benedict paid him a visit the next day to apologize to, to the captain, who was livid at him, calling him a damned Yankee, destitute of good manners, of those or those of a gentleman. Now, this was a bad move by Kroski, because he just swore at Arnold, which was a huge offense back in these Connecticut days. So they got a duel going, like, hey, we're going to duel. They both, uh, they both brought a second and a surgeon to the duel. So I guess whenever you dueled, like if I wanted to duel my sh- shitty neighbor, I'd bring you as my second, as like my witness. I would also bring a doctor because if yep. I get shot, I want to live.
1: got to have someone uh, to patch uh, and you up. my
0: witness. So that's how it went. They got their seconds and their surgeon. He, Benedict showed up, but Kroski was hours late and showed up with six natives. So Benedict protested and did not allow him to dock his boat, and he held a pistol in his hand as he stared down Kroski. Uh, eventually, he agreed, and the duel was on. Krosky missed, and Arnold's shot wounded him. He told Krosky to get up and fire another shot, but warned, if you miss, this time I shall kill you. Krosky said no thanks and conceded. Mm. Uh, the two men left on the same boat. Um, so anyways, Peggy would go on to birth two more children over the next two years. Good times. Peggy really resented his long absences and was scared of the debt that he was accruing um, due to his business. Because so you got you to gotta like take out loans to do these things. Um, she would really never send more letters to him. Six years into marriage, Benedict finally blew a fuse. He wrote a couple angry letters. He says, I am not knowing if I live... Or Sorry, he wrote, I am not knowing if I write to the living or the dead having not heard from you in the past four months. I guess that was blowing a fuse back then. Most other merchants at this time would hire captains to do work, but not Benedict, because he was the business. Like, it's like, he's the face of the business. He's got to do the damn thing. Uh, Right. And he's good at it. He's good at bargaining and doing all this stuff. He's a businessman. He didn't want to make the same mistakes as his father, either. Despite all these taxes coming down on him, uh, Benedict paid off his debt, and he continued to prosper. But now the London passed the Townshed Act on them which tacked imports on a bunch more stuff lead paper glass paint tea Uh, they also beefed up their customs houses and increased the number of collectors so there are more taxes and more enforcement naturally people were pissed everybody's pissed people boycotted protested legislators wrote letters denouncing the taxes and urged others to follow the british government was fed up with the colonist shit and sent in four army regiments to regulate things in Boston. I think I've realized about this time, everything's happening in Connecticut. <laughs> Everything is happening in Connecticut, especially Boston. So they sent in these regiments. This was basically one British soldier for every four colonists, which mm. is quite a bit. So these soldiers that got brought in were ridiculed and harassed by colonists who didn't want them there. One group of youths were heckling a lone British British, sentry and began throwing ice at him. This soldier called for help just as the crowd of people grew. A British officer and his men ran to protect the lone soldier from the mob. Shots were fired and five Bostonians were killed in the street. It was an act of self-defense and was not premeditated. But the Sons of Liberty quickly labeled it the Boston Massacre.
1: It's a a much different story from the other side.
0: What side did you hear it from before?
1: Well, it was social studies class. In
0: you know middle school or high school <laughs> or whatever, yeah. I mean, yeah the the British troops were being heckled, and shit got bad, so they shot them.
1: Yeah, I think it's like uh there's a difference being between being heckled and being attacked, so it's hard to say. They shot five hecklers, or were they actually attacked? I mean, okay. It, history is the judge but um it's just something to think about it's 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 interesting you like you're talking about all this stuff and like we're in this historical paradigm between like people think the government is too big and like overarching and this and that and whatever and you're talking about like like heckling that turns into whatever and then police like at this point it's not the military it's police and then their shootings and whatever and um, I don't know there's just a lot of parallels I feel like that we're coming, we're coming to right now because we look at these guys as heroes
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: they're
1: American, they're American
0: heroes we look at our, our founders and the colonists and the militias and the Minutemen as heroes
1: standing up to a, to, tur- uh, to a tyrannical government
0: totally and that's what it was I mean the British were not right in this and the colonists did what they thought was right I guess But it almost goes back to what you said on a previous episode was people haven't changed. I, that's, and there are so many parallels to here that people haven't changed. It's just, it's the same, it's the same (laughs) shit, same shit over and over just different, different times. We're making Um, the same mistakes. Kind of. But this is why we're here. And you know, we always want to, there's a big trend Um, with with people either claiming this or actually doing it, where, you know, oh, they're changing history. You guys are changing history. Yeah. And I think we grew up, like, we were mentioning social studies class, and we learned, like, baseline American history. Like, this was the Declaration of Independence. This was the Boston Massacre. Mm -hmm. This was the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And it was just, like, broad-sweeping... But no details. And I love as an adult going into the details of what actually was happening because you could probably look at it's not we're rewriting history. You're looking at things from different perspectives and different mm-hmm. sides and getting all the information. I think it's super interesting when you go into these details. Yeah. We're living in details right now with our life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's so many parallels and so many details. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why you're telling these stories that Realist, I've never heard most of these stories. I've heard like, oh, I know what the Boston Massacre is. It's where a bunch of British soldiers shot American people.
0: Yeah, it was like you didn't know a baseline.
1: And when there's more to it, and exactly, there's a baseline to it. And it adds context to it. And that's why I always say, like, history will be the judge. Because it's true. History will be the judge. It's, yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. Things,
0: mm-hmm. things repeat. Things repeat, man. You can't help yeah, you can't help but like look at January sixth and be like, well, what the fuck's that gonna look like? Yeah. Because in the moment uh, it's like, Holy shit, this is
1: treason treason, but in in a hundred years, it maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be like, Oh, that was uh American freedom fighters, like, fuck.
0: And depends who fucking wins, right? Exactly. That side (laughs) wins. That's true too. Yeah. The Sons of Liberty, right? Yeah. The Sons of Liberty, they call themselves we look at Sons of Liberty in this time from this story as like those are the fucking Patriots. Right. Those are our men. We look at sons of Liberty in this time and we're like, those are fucking Nazis. Right. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's get back to this. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just left off the Boston massacre. Um, uh, Benedict was sailing when he heard the news about the massacre. He was angry and disgusted with the British. Perhaps it reminded him of the barbaric reaction that the natives performed all those years ago. He stated in a letter, quote, good God. Are the Americans all asleep and tamely yielding up their liberties? I am afraid that we shall soon see ourselves as poor and as much oppressed as ever. John Adams defended the soldiers and won. Benedict was again furious due to the precedent that this set in the colonies. This this type of thing could happen again. However, following the Boston Massacre, the, the Townshed Act was repealed. In 1773, the Tea Act was passed giving the British East India Company a monopoly on tea imports to the colonies. This was meant to bolster the British Army's finances and ensure a steady flow of revenue without dealing with direct tax collection. Basically, they're like, we're not sending tax collectors around anymore because that doesn't work. We're just, we're scooping up all your shit tea and you're only buying our tea and all that's going to us, that profit. Because people love tea. Don't fuck with people's tea at this time. Mm. It's like they want it. It's like coffee. It's like coffee. Yeah. Uh, Again, boycotts. Uh, It was tough, though, because this tea that they were selling, the British that were selling, was actually cheaper than smuggled tea. But the Sons of Liberty and colonists just hated British intervention. Uh, They just didn't want them. One night, three ships arrived in Port of Boston, and the Sons of Liberty feared it would be unloaded with tea and be sold. So they dressed up as natives and boarded the ships. They broke up 342 chests of tea and poured it into the harbor below. This was worth over 10,000 pounds. This was the Boston Tea Party. The British government was furious and demanded repayment. The Massachusetts Assembly refused. After all, it was natives who did it. In response, the Redcoats came down hard on Boston, to make an example. They stripped all men of their rights as Englishmen. They replaced the Massachusetts governor with a military commander, General Thomas Gage. The governor's council was appointed by the Crown. The port was closed, town meetings were prohibited, and the colonial government was kicked out. More British troops were sent in. People were shocked. They formed militias again that were to be used. They were called the Minutemen. The Second Continental Congress sent food and supplies to the people of Boston. In Concord, they assembled cannons and army and stocked munitions should Gage decide to invade. And Gage is running Boston now. Benedict was furious at the British's treatment of Boston. He immediately joined 65 young New Haven men to form a militia company and started drilling regularly. In March 1775, Connecticut officials adopted this group, this New Haven group, into the governor's second company of guards, which was an official regiment of the colony's army. The group was tasked to select their own officers. They chose the proud, feisty, and respected patriot Benedict Arnold as their captain. One month later, General Gage moved his men to capture John Adams and John Hancock, two men who were making trouble for the British. Uh, He sent 800 men to destroy the secret Concord Army being assembled, some 15,000 American troops. So they were just amassing tons of ammunition and arms, and they had 15,000 troops, um, and they're just pretty much sitting outside of Boston just waiting to find out what's going to happen. General Gage was like, nah, not going to happen on my watch and sent a bunch of men to go break it up. Uh, It was meant to be a surprise attack but once the British army reached Lexington they were discovered and happened upon some 70 men in the town square who hoped to dissuade the British. The British ordered the men to surrender. Facing 800 redcoats the men began to back away. Just as they did shots were fired. After the shooting stopped Eight Lexington men lay dead and ten wounded. This was the shot heard around the world.
1: That's what started it.
0: Yeah, that was so Lexington, Lexington and Concord. Yeah. Uh, no one knows who shot first. There's a bunch coming. of dudes kind of tell the British to go away, and the British were like, no, we're not leaving you guys back down. So they, they did back down, and then shit went crazy. Right. Um. So, the British went on to destroy as many guns and cannons as they could, all the while Minutemen lined their path back to Boston while others poured into Concord to return the fight. After the British were forced away from Concord, they were met with gunfire along their route home from the tree lines where Minutemen were posted. They set fire to as many homes as possible en route back to Boston, the British did. When the garrison reached Boston again, the Redcoats lost 19 officers, 246 soldiers, and the colonists lost 90 men. The Revolutionary War had begun. End of part one.
1: (laughs) Holy shit. You're gonna leave me on that cliffhanger? Sure as fuck am, bud. Damn. I got I had like four pages of notes. Look at these. Look at these. I was writing fucking notes. Look at that. Back? You really were. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's an insane, insane story. Uh you know, we like again, we're gonna get into the details of what happened in the yeah. next part, to lead Benedict into knowing knowing him how we do know him. as a, It's synonymous with treason, Right. his name. Exactly. Benedict Arnold. So we're going to learn...
1: I think there's, like we already talked about, there's a lot more to it than that. And when we talk about his childhood and we talk about more of the actual occurrences that are happening, it's like, hold up, there's a little bit more to this story, but there's no denying his impact on... American history um and also in a good way too. I mean like I said if if it weren't for him there's a pretty big argument that we wouldn't have won the war and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in part 2. This is yeah, this has been really interesting. I've, I have learned a shit ton of especially about him and his family life that I never knew.
0: It was meant to display that this guy wasn't from Britain, right? He was an American dude. He grew up and was a fucking awesome businessman. He was with the colonists at this point. He is for the colonists. He's for America. He's made Walgreens, dude. He's doing a lot of good things for the country. (laughs) And he despises... Yeah, Benedicts. He despises what the British are doing. And all those little stories about his dad, just his upbringing. This is a good man right here. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this guy's life plays out and uh man i can't fucking wait to get it to you (laughs) fuck yeah part two can't wait all right well we'll be back next week